ourselves I can't afford to be here This is small town music This is big town music He's ahead of his time, you know But he can't use it If only he could prove it Well, tomorrow's just a song away A song away A song away Hey everybody, welcome to Rock Solid, the comedy podcast for all things music, both new and classic. I'm Pat Francis, and tonight this is a, for what I feel it's a very special show, because um, I've done shows like this before. Uh, We have a show tonight where we're going to be talking about the life and career of Doug Figer, the uh, lead singer, chief songwriter of The Knack. He was also in a band, Sky, we're going to cover that too, and... um, when I do a show like this, I've done one. I did one with Wendy Dio. We talked about Ronnie James Dio. I did one with Michelle Kath. We talked about her dad, Terry Kath. So tonight, uh, it's, it's, it's an, I, this is really an honor to have Doug's sister, younger sister, Beth, oh, thank you. Beth <laughs> Falkenstein here. Stein. Damn. Earlier when you came <laughs> in, I said it right, and now I screwed it up. Beth Falkenstein. We always used to get Fieger. <laughs> <laughs> and then as soon as I added the Falkenstein, oh, look out, right? Everybody got the Figer right and they got the fe- the Steen wrong. So now literally people, I just, I just asked Beth how to say her name and, and I said it correctly. And then eh, well, that's how it goes. And I leave this in Beth because I, I don't mind making a mistake. Sometimes people make a mistake. No, just like Frankenstein. Just like Frankenstein. But I said Frankenstein. Stupid. <laughs> and I say Igor. Now, the reason this is, uh, this is uh, especially uh, special for me tonight is because when I asked Beth to do this, I thought Beth still lived in Southern California. So we're going back and forth with some emails, and then Beth sends me one that says, hey, do I have to live in California? And I was like, well, don't you live in California? And, but you've lived in Oregon for now. How long have you been out of California? Uh, full-time, three and a half years. Full-time, three and a half years. Yes, I live in Ashland. Okay. Which is... Do you like it there? Oh my God, yes. It's a fabulous, amazing city. I keep waiting for it to be, uh, you know, the, the it's too good to be true. Mm-hmm. I guess it's not really true. <laughs> so we've lost you then to Southern California. You're not coming back here. Not permanently. It's a fabulous place to visit. Right. And to bring it around to Doug, Doug loved Los Angeles. Yes, me too. I do oh. too. I'm a, I'm a transplant here from Pennsylvania. Uh, so anyway, I, I do want to say that mention this. Beth did fly in to do this, which is incredible to me. Thankfully, she has a, a daughter that lives here and she has friends that live here. So, um, so that was good. It was a nice excuse for her to uh, also visit people and see family. So, but uh, just the fact that you were willing to do this is uh, is just uh, such a, a great thing for me. I, I just amazing. Well, I can't even tell you. I, I'm happy to do it because it, it really. My job these days, not mm-hmm. that it's a heavy lift, is to uh, maintain Doug's legacy. And this is fabulous. And do, are you in charge of the website? And do you do all that kind <laughs> of stuff? Who, who does, who, like, what does keeping, in, uh, keeping the legacy going, what, what do you do? What, what does that entail? Well, in the immediate aftermath mm-hmm. of his death, it did entail, we, we built the website, the, open the official Facebook page. There's a DougFiger.com also. Um, I have to tell you that I haven't done any maintenance mm-hmm. on the website in so long. That seems to not really be the way social media goes. And be, the knack being what the knack 
is mm-hmm. there's not a lot of news. Right. Um, so, so there's not a lot to update, but the website's still there. There's some merch and some things that you can buy, but yes, I, I maintain that. Um, I also, it, Doug, um, owned the brand okay, and also maintained his portion, eighties music, the publishing. Okay. And I, you know, I'm his, uh, successor in interest, I guess it's called. And so I, I, uh, um, account to the band members for royalties because they all come in payable to the NAC. Gotcha. Or, you know, I, I do that sort of thing. Plus, I I uh, inherited his library, his raw uh, tapes. I have all of that, and so there have been several releases. Yes, post through uh, Omnivore. Through Omnivore, some people I wanted to make sure I sure do it. Do it now. Uh, <clears throat> Lilo Diga. Cheryl Powelski and Greg Allen at Omnivore. I know there are other people that have put in the time. Uh, they, they've just been angels and, and really uh, were wonderful. Lee was actually um, somebody, with F, you know, I'm, I'm Doug's sister. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a Knack fan. I love the Knack, but that wasn't when I hear their music. That's not how I relate right. to the music. And so after Doug died, um, there were a lot of missing pieces for me that I didn't understand. And, and Lee specifically stepped in. He had, I guess, worked at Capitol. He'll correct me. You know, I know I'll get this wrong. Uh, when they were doing the reissues. Yes. And he got to know Doug very well and stayed in touch with him. And so when after Doug died, there were questions I had about a lot of the recordings just all sorts of things. Yeah. And, and Lee was one of the uh, people that helped me fill in the missing pieces. It was like I was Nancy Drew. Is, is Lee, is he like, a, is he, was, is he like a, a, an archivist or does he, he, he knew a lot of Knack and Doug information that you didn't know? He, that- he knew all about the Knack library at, at uh, Capitol. Okay. Cause he had been instrumental, I guess. I, I, I can't, I, I'm going to, not give the details correctly, but he had been instrumental in helping them put together the reissues, mm-hmm. and and then you know he knew of the bonus material that they put in, so he had to work with Doug, I'm sure, to say what have you got that we can put in <laughs> right. as bonus material. Um, so he and just I guess staying in touch with him because then Doug kept working. He 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 knew a lot of the knack history. Mm-hmm. Cool. He, he knew uh, that's, when I when that's I had the a guy question, you need yeah. yeah when I had any question about the music, he was the first guy I would go to, and if he didn't know, he'd point me and say, "Well, you should ask somebody." So and let me ask you this, since we're on, because I was going to ask you this later, but sometimes, you know, whatever comes up, I'll just I'll just go with the flow. The um, those Nacri issues are out of print. Yes. So is there ever going to be? Are they ever going to come back in print? Are they ever? Is there ever going to be a box set? Is there ever, is uh, live at Carnegie Hall ever oh, going to be released? I mean, that's I've I saw it on Laserdisc, and then I've and then never again. I, I mean, it's maybe maybe somebody at Universal who mm-hmm. you know it was Capital, then EMI, then Universal. Yeah. Um, maybe somebody will remember they own those. Yeah. It's an amazing concert. Yeah, it's because I can't release them. Right. Obviously. Um. Yeah, it would it would be especially Carnegie Hall. Yeah, I mean it's it's like the Holy Grail so for they, NAC fans. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, but these reissue, the, the, the capital reissues, I don't understand how those even went out of print. I mean, when I said, when those came out, I was like, oh, finally the Knack's getting, uh, the love they deserve from Capitol records. I don't know who makes those decisions. Mm -hmm. okay. I'm, I'm sure it's economic at some level. Um, I, I can tell you there are, there, there are diehard fans out there. I don't know that it's a growing base. Yeah. Um, I, I can tell you though, I still get, uh, messages through, you know, Facebook messenger. Mm -hmm. That's the most active, uh, site for the knack. I still get a couple times a year, people going, I just discovered the knack. You, you know, the music has changed my life. <laughs> That's uh, amazing. That's there's, so there's good. There's this woman, Shelby Moran. I'll have to tell her to listen to this. <laughs> Never listened to the knack. She's much, much younger than, than us. And uh, I think her dad turned her on to the knack and she just went bananas. And at one point <laughs> she was in LA and Burton and I went out to lunch with her and, and wow, that's cool. Yeah. I think she, I honestly think she knows more knack songs than I do. <laughs> she should be here. Uh, <laughs> uh, also you brought up Burton, uh, many, many years ago, Beth is the one who helped put me in touch with Burton and Prescott, and I had them on the show together, and that was really cool, too. So, Beth, another thank you to you for that. Well, you're welcome. I, I love, the, they're on my thank you list. They're actually number one and two on my thank you list for everything, all things Knack. I was going to ask you, when, uh, how old were you when the Knack, when the Knack, uh, if you don't mind saying how old you were then, when the Knack broke? You what, 78? 77, 78, 79? So I, I was 21 or 22, okay. I guess. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yes. So were, were the other band members, were they like brothers to you also? I mean, did they treat you like a little sister? or, or I was they... in Michigan. Ah, okay. And yeah. everyone else was out here. Everyone else, yeah. Doug, Doug uh, landed in Los Angeles after Sky, yes. which was 1971, and he never came back to Michigan. And... So I went through high school in Oak Park, Michigan, and then college. I was at University of Michigan, actually. Okay. Um, and I'll tell you, he after after Sky, because if we get into the story of Sky, that was a pretty phenomenal story and a big heady thing to happen to a young guy. Um, there was a fallow period, and, and it was difficult for mm -hmm. him. And he was uh, living out here with his girlfriend at the time, Judy Halpert, who really took great care of him. Um, he, and, you know, Doug, Doug was an obsessive. It was all he ever wanted to do was music. That was it. And That's why he succeeded. I, I suppose. Yeah. It's that, you know, ten, you put in 10,000 hours, the... Yeah. the, the Outliers, that Malcolm Gladwell book, if anyone wants to read that. Um, yeah, because between Sky and The Knack, it's like eight, nine years. Right. There, it's a there long were time. Some, a lot of people would cash it in. A lot of people would have gone back to Michigan. A lot of people wouldn't have continued. So that says something he, he about his it. drive. There were some interesting blips of mm -hmm. he like lived in Germany for a, a brief period. He was a member of Triumvirate. <laughs> And for one weekend, here's here's a piece of trivia. He was the bassist for the Carpenters. <laughs> there you go. Um, but yeah, that was he was never going to go back, and so he kept trying, and mm -hmm. he was writing songs. And I, uh, "Good Girls Don't" was written 
during that period. Um, and I very distinctly remember getting a call from him because we were, we were very close and we would, we would chat and I was in Ann Arbor, um, Michigan. And he was saying, yeah, it's, it's really rough trying to make things work here. It's hard to stay up. So I'm just going to do it for the love of the music. There he you was go. like, he went, that's, that's just it. I, I, I can't deal with this. And that was it. And that was it. That was it. I, then I would get calls and he'd go, he called me Bethy or, or Theber. Um, <laughs> you won't believe what's going on here. I can't believe it. And so, yeah, and then it like took off. My friends who act and go on auditions and, and, and a lot of commercial auditions, you know, a lot of those guys would tell me, you know, once I just really stopped caring about the audition, like I just, I'm like, whatever. That's when they booked the, sh- the things. When they stopped being all, you know, what do I want to say? Like nervous and all in their head and, oh my God, I got I have to get this commercial, all that kind of stuff. That's when they started booking. It's when you, it's, maybe it's that you stop acting like you want it. Maybe. You know, same maybe. for relationships, right? Maybe the casting directors can feel the desperation coming off your body as you walk in there. Uh, you brought up the, uh, you brought up uh, Good Girls Don't, so why don't we play the demo? Excellent. Let's hear a little bit of this and then we'll talk about Sky. And she makes you want to scream Wishing you could get inside her pants So you fantasize away While you're squeezing her You thought you heard her say Good girls don't Good girls don't When she's been telling you Good girls don't But I do So you call her that's Doug and Burton. Yeah. And that's from an album or a CD that was released in 2012 from, uh, from Omnivore. Omnivore Recordings, Called yeah. uh, Rock and Roll is Good for You. It's, uh, it's a bunch of demos. It's really cool. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. I, it was so cool to hear that. They did the transfer, mm-hmm. so I just knew the tape existed. Right. And, uh, and was, that um, a, was that just like a cassette tape? On, uh, this one, probably not. No, uh, Doug, I, I, literally there's like a five-by-five five now storage of floor-to-ceiling tapes, uh, but this w- could have been a quarter-inch, mm-hmm. probably was, I can't, it's been a while. So you handed those tapes over and, and someone went through them and pulled out what they thought was uh, the best stuff to release? Yes. All that, right. Lee and and <laughs> Cheryl, I suppose, and who, you know, for the other people whose names I'm... Not remembering to mention well, now. <laughs> we know we know Lee and Cheryl, and we know Omnivore and Records, and you can still get the, this uh, this stuff. So uh, so go buy it, folks. It's it's really fabulous. It's really cool. And yeah. if you're a Knack fan, it's and you don't know this existed because maybe some people don't know this is out there. So if you're listening and you don't know about this, go get uh, Rock and Roll is Good for You for sure. The Figer of Air demos. That's right. <laughs> yes. um, so tell me the story of Sky because I. Um, I just, uh, I didn't, I don't know Sky myself. I, I, I bought those CDs and listened to them in preparation for this, but, uh, what'd you think? But, uh, it's, it's not, it's different from the knack for sure. And, uh, produced by Jimmy Miller who worked yep. with the Rolling Stones. Yep. 
I mean, that's incredible. And then John, how do I say his name? Corey. Corey, who went on. I know his work from Don Henley, but I had no idea that him and Doug were in, in a combo back in the day. So it was very, oh. very cool. Um, John, John is one of these amazing guys uh, who can play any instrument. He's one of, you know, great at math and can play any <laughs> instrument. And, um, oh, and I'll just tell you, you know, it was from elementary school or whatever. I had a massive crush on him. And he had this amazing yellow mercury. And when I would walk home from school, if the yellow mercury was parked in front, I was like, oh, God, John's, John's here. I was very excited. <laughs> Yay. Um, he taught Doug how to play the guitar. I might have some of these details wrong. Doug's first guitar was, uh, of course, just like George Harrison's Gretsch, Country Gentleman. <laughs> okay. And if you go on YouTube, there's a video of Doug talking about his Gretsch, and he knows every single detail and why it is exactly like George Harrison's. So I believe the story was um, uh, Doug would let John Corey play this guitar if he would teach Doug how to how to play the guitar. <laughs> um, so they, uh, you know, a, a friendship came of it. I, I couldn't tell you what the years, what, what the ages were. Doug had a band before that of like little kids <laughs> called the Royal Jammers. But um, I'll, I'll tell you one story I do remember sure. about uh, them, Sky becoming something. John, I think, brought a, a tape recorder over and it was a two-track. Okay. And he was showing, this was like the first thing, he was showing Doug how exciting it was that you could, you know, record two separate things and then put them together. And, and Doug was like, that's amazing. So what he wanted to do was sing some Beatles song, you know, She Loves You or whatever, on one track. He said, I'll record this, and then you sing on the other one. And I, I was sitting there, and I'm a little kid, but even I understood. John went, well, you know you can do that just on one track, right? Because it was the two of them singing simultaneously. That's funny. And, and the reason he explained that, I was like, okay, I get what a two track is. I understand now. <laughs> Very um, cool. So, so they worked together and, and Doug wrote all these songs. And I mean, if you listen to the songs, you, they don't sound like a 16-year-old no. boy wrote them. Um, and my father at the time was... Uh, uh, one of his clients was Russ Gibb, who was the who uh, the manager of a ballroom like the Fillmore called okay. called the Grandy, the Grandy Ballroom, and it's spelled G R A N D E. Uh, there's still a movement to preserve it in Detroit, and every great band came in to Detroit, and that's where they played. Nice. And uh, Russ Gibb, my father's client. Uh, even though they were underage, agreed to let Sky open for a lot of these bands. And uh, they were like, you know, pretty good. It's, I think MC5, uh, right? Yeah. Uh, played there and, and, you know, they were the, they were the house band. So is that where, is that where Sky got seen to that, be signed? That's where they got seen. Um, and, I'm not sure some band, one of the bands that Jimmy Miller at the time was producing. I, I've, I've read this story and heard this story in various permutations. And, and one iteration, I, I saw a mention 
that one of these amazing bands might have mentioned to Jimmy Miller, you know, there's this band Sky. But the, the larger story is that Doug wrote to Jimmy Miller wow. and said, I've got a band and we, you know. Was I'm, he even, I'm, even at that young age, he was, he was chasing it because who thinks to do that? Who thinks to write he, to Jimmy Miller? He was the guy, he was the kid that as soon as the album came out, bought it, memorized every person, every studio musician, cover to cover, See, read I, all I did, the I, liner notes. I did that too, but with, but with no musical ability. Yeah. <laughs> I just like music. He was obsessed, yeah. you know, uh, in many ways. And so um, he wrote to Jimmy Miller and said, if you're ever in Detroit, please come. And Jimmy Miller wrote back and said, I'm flying to L.A., but I'll stop in Detroit. <laughs> if you get somebody... That is unbelievable. If you get somebody to pick me up at the airport and bring me to your house, I'll listen to you play. And that's what happened. So Jimmy Miller, who produced the Rolling Stones, comes to your house in Michigan mm-hmm. to listen to your brother. Yeah. And, and then listen he... Listen to Sky. It was Bob Greenfield, John Corey... And Doug. And, uh, and then agrees to produce them. Yes. That's, Signs them to RCA. That's correct. And, and Doug is how old at this point? Seven. Well, he's still in high school. Um, so he was, he was 17. He, his birthday's August, so I, I'm assuming. And were your parents on board with all of this at, <laughs> oh, at this young totally, age? Totally, yeah. Okay, you would, have, you would kind of have to be. Well, what I mean, it's all he wanted to do. Yeah. There was there was no denying him. And that. was he uh, was he a good was he a good student? <laughs> <laughs> he hated school. Okay, he hated it. Really bright guy, mm-hmm. voracious reader, loved English class. Yeah. Um, not liking school doesn't mean you're not smart. It just means you don't like school. No, no, yeah. he 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 hated. It. <laughs> and so, um, but and but he was a. Uh, Probably was he a good kid though? Stayed out of trouble and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So your folks were that because there has I'm, to be a trade off. Like if you're if you're not going to you don't like school and you're into a, a bunch of bad stuff and you like music, your parents might not be on board. But if you're if you're showing that you're serious about the craft, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Do you know what I'm trying to say? Well, I, it's it, it was a different time too. Mm, I mean, he. He absolutely followed through. I couldn't tell you that that's what my parents noticed. Okay. They knew he wasn't going on to college. And so that was an agreed upon thing. It was like, okay, we'll help, you know, so, so to that degree. Um, I don't, you know, it was six, 1968, 1969. My parents were pretty liberal. Okay, cool. So it wasn't, um, they, they just wanted us to use our brains. Make sure you're still using your brains, and you, you know. Um, well, if you write a letter to Jimmy Miller and get him in your in your uh, front room, you're using your brain. Yes, yeah. So he, he and and then they went. Jimmy Miller took him to uh, London, and they record. Is it Stargroves? Is that the Mick Jagger's portable uh, studio? And they had all of the Sticky Fingers session musicians wow. on it. Um, there's a, a track. I, I think I gave you a note here. There's a track. On uh, the first Sky album. Called Don't Hold Back is the album. Right. And what track are we going to hear? Um, oh, we're, we're going into it. Um, what was the one? Um, They're in the Greenbrier, which 
was then released in a uh, Chris Wood tribute album because because there's in you know, the flute Chris Chris Wood's playing the flute. All right, well there you go. Then let's hear a little bit of there in the Greenbrier. produce that sounds amazing it sounds so good it's and and the song is like if you're at all in in interested in folk music is that polly vaughn it's always some story of some guy taking a woman down to a river and drawing a saber through her and (laughs) terrific yeah (laughs) um we after doug died the the first thing i wanted to do was try to regain the rights to those recordings that honestly, as much as I love the knack, Sky was was my childhood with yeah. Doug, and so once um, it just took a a letter actually, I had an attorney write to them and say, "Hey, can we have them?" And they said, "Sure." Do you have an attorney that you know that could help you with things like this? Um, Glenn, I'm making a joke actually. Oh, because <laughs> of your other brother. Oh, do he uh, he's not a copyright attorney. <laughs> okay. uh, Jeffrey Feiger, uh, medical malpractice attorney extraordinaire, uh, known for representing Jack Kevorkian. Yes, yes. Um, so I'm sorry I didn't pick up on That's that. That's okay. I was, because I, I was trying to remember he was uh, the attorney was great, and I can't remember. That's okay. Right I'm, I'm being uh, I'm just being funny. Yes. But uh, so you're so it's it's just three siblings in your family. Yes. It's the same. So it, well, yeah. It's the same dynamic, and you're the youngest. Yes. That's the same dynamic in my family. Uh, I have an older brother, then me, and then a younger sister. Yes. When, um, when the parents got mad, it was Jeff Doug Beth. They, they just, <laughs> you know. Um, so uh, so you, you, you write a letter, and that's a, you get a letter, and that's all it took to get the sky, uh, the rights to sky. Um, pretty much. And they sent me the masters. I wow. Actu- I actually had a copy master and um, another person I want to name, Richard Bosworth, who was the uh, producer Doug, work- Doug worked with after Scott, um, the Capitol recordings, Sky. Yeah, with Zoom. Yes, and, um, and various others. Uh, he remixed these and, and remastered them, and we have them out available now on Amazon. And um, at after you know Doug died in in a, on a February in February and his birthday was in August and we had a gathering at Doug's house of his friends in August and we had this sky just playing in the background and people it, it's very much the singer songwriter seventies sound yes definitely that, that's what it is and we hadn't really told people about it and. Doug had some good heavy hitter musician friends, and they're standing around going, "Wow, who 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 is this?" 
Let's go. That's Doug at 17. So that's incredible. Yeah. Let's hear uh, another song you picked from the Don't Hold Back is uh, Rockin' Me Yet. So let's hear this one. Great saxophone on that. I feel like I'm watching Happy Days. Yeah, <laughs> pretty it's, cool. It, it, it's it's very great. So did um both of these albums? I think were released the same year. I think both in 1970. Uh, I think 70 71. Okay. Did they record them both at the same time? No. No. They I, did. I they don't. had two two sessions with Jimmy Miller. Yes. And they went back to London to record the second one also? I think so. Okay. I, I really know. I don't know either, so it's yeah. okay if you do. Someone out there knows. I, um, They'll tweet about it. I do want to mention that um, we there is a Doug Figer YouTube channel too. Oh, good. And we, we put... Uh, we made videos of a lot of these. A lot of them are just, you know, stills, mm-hmm. but uh, they're fun to watch. Yeah, that's great. So you were, you're involved in that stuff too? Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, My husband really is very instrumental with helping me with all the helping me. He does all the website stuff and building the videos and uh, so... And then, and, and Beth, do you, uh, before before you were doing uh, taking Doug's legacy and, and handling it, what what was your vocation? What did you do? Huh. I was mom at that point. Sure. Um, I have been a, a sitcom writer very briefly. I worked on Mad About You. Oh, that, terrific! That's, that's the one everyone's heard of. Sure. And then, and, then, uh, and they oh. just they just rebooted it. Right. Very cool. I had two credits on uh, season four or something. Nice. Yeah, the one where the one where Paul gets to go to Yoko Ono's. Um, <laughs> that's that's mine. So and did uh, and how did you not want to did you did you not want to continue in that field? I or? absolutely did, but you know, at some point, if they don't hire you, right, you, just, you're yeah. not hired. I know yeah. that. I know that feeling. I started. I started. Uh, this was. You know, people uh, don't understand how hard that is to to write for television. I mean, just I mean, just that's an incredible uh, thing to achieve. It was it was I I loved it, and I I still write, and I've uh, submitted things, and but that's a long story. Yeah, okay. Also, very hard when you start being visibly pregnant to get staffed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know it's a sad thing, but uh, and yeah. maybe maybe easier now. But back so many years ago, not so easy. Yes. Um, and the reason I ask you that is because uh, I know we're talking about Doug, but I don't want to. I don't want to lose Beth. Oh, that's Because you're here, and I don't want to lose you. So I do want. I wanted to know about you also. So, what does your husband do? Um, he is a a prop master. Oh, okay, cool. Um, which is. How how he has supported us for lo these many years. <laughs> Good deal. Um, but he's also uh, just recently he's published a book on uh, 
trails on hiking in Ashland. Oh, boy. Uh, and it, it's quite something. And uh, with a friend who's a line producer from television shows, Randy Cordray, they just uh, are in the middle of a ses- of a semester at Southern Oregon University teaching their first class in advanced television production. That's terrific. That's where, amazing. Yeah, I wrote a script and a sitcom, and these students literally went through and are going. They're in the editing process now. Just last weekend, in three days, they shot a thirty-page script, and so Randy and my husband, as the professors, were. Teaching them what it takes from the table read to the you know ca- through casting. Um, what a great class! What that must be a class that the kids cannot wait to get to. I mean, they, I would. They last weekend during the shoot, I was stunned at the energy they brought every day. The, the wardrobe they had, you know, each kid, student, they're you know, sophomore and up. Um, had a department they had to cover and the wardrobe department had the tags so that they could, you know, day one hair up, down. <laughs> that's incredible. It was, it was great. And, uh, and that was, so that's also what my husband has right, been doing cool. and, and more importantly, so. continued success with all that stuff. Thank that's you. cool. Thank you. Uh, let's go. There's another sky album, second album called sailor's delight. What would you like to uh, hear from that? Tell us something about one of the songs you picked. By the way, Beth curated this uh, song list for me too. I asked her to pick songs that would mean something to her or just songs that she liked. And so uh, uh, I, didn't, I didn't pick any of the songs tonight, really. I think I maybe picked two. Well, I, I have the two that I uh, listed that were my favorites. Taking the Long Way Home, I tend to like the slower, really melodic, really pretty ones. Okay. Um, Let It Lie Low is a very heavy beat driven, so they're both good. Well, let's do, uh, let's listen to uh, Taking the Long Way Home. Trouble Monday, Stormy Monday, and your Tuesday is dry. Get together, oily weather, running around till you die. And said that when you did that, you were really alone. Trouble one day, stormy Monday, taking the long way home. They did such a good job uh, with the sound on these, with um, whoever uh, reissued the uh, Omnivore, the people that. Oh, no, this is this is Richard Bosworth. He did amazing, yeah. so good. Let's listen to uh, "Let It Lie Low."
So, Beth, you included a fun fact about the album Sailor's <laughs> Delight. So I'll read this one. Fun fact, Sailor's Delight was used as the soundtrack to a 1971 softcore porn movie called Private Duty Nurses. Uh, the band appears as the house band in the character's uh, local hangout bar, Schlumpfelders. That's the name of the hangout bar. That's not the band's name. It's the hangout bar, Schlumpfelders. That, have you ever seen that movie, Beth? Be honest. Yes, it's, you can get it on Amazon. You can order. <laughs> I, I have recently purchased a DVD of it. <laughs> yes. And, and uh, there are so many little offshoot stories. Um, the, the actor in it, whose name I keep forgetting, mm-hmm. a friend of another dear friend, Art Fine, um, used to have Art Fine's poker game or something on okay. public access. That's where we get a lot of footage of Doug <laughs> talking about bands. Um, he also was something of a songwriter and I have, he wrote a song called, um, called uh, gold silver is gold, something like that. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's, uh, I'm sorry, I'm not thinking of it right now, but when Doug was sick at the very end, he recorded this song and it's written by the actor from Private Duty Nurses. So, <laughs> uh, okay, so go to Amazon. Gray, I'm sorry, Gray is Gold. Gray it's, is Gold. That, no, but it was never released, but I have this amazing recording. Um, See, I could, have, I could have ordered this movie. It would have come in the mail. My wife would have said, what is this movie? And I'd say, honey, that's research for the show. I, need yeah, to, I have to watch this. It, it's, when I say it's, it's not really it's like, like even a, R-rated. It's, it's like a teen era yeah. sex comedy or yeah. something like that. Yeah. yeah. I get it. Um, what, uh, what was my next question? So uh, the, your family, not, not a musical family. Doug was the only one with the, with the, with the music. Pretty gene. much. Yeah. And it's passed down now to your, to your kids though. Yeah. My, my daughter Freya, um, as I forced you to listen to her <laughs> recording, she definitely inherited the the pipes. Now here's here's the thing about that you 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 did force me to listen to it, but it was good because sometimes you get forced to listen to something and you're like, oh my god, when's this going to end? But that is not how I felt with this. Uh, and she uh, and man, it's it's it she's. She takes off and then all of a sudden hits those high notes. It's incredible. Thank you. It's yeah. crazy. So we, you, we encourage her. Good. Yes. That's what your parents did with Doug. So yes. Uh, also, just to let people know, it's it's uh, it's it's hard to believe, but this this episode is going to drop the day before uh, Valentine's Day, which will be ten years since um since uh, Doug passed, and um. You know, my mom's, uh, well, my grandmother passed on Mother's Day. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's, I mean, it's rough enough, and then it's, it's linked to, you know, a uh, day. Even more so, Doug, one of his weddings was on Valentine's mm-hmm. Day. Um, and this is kind of a strange little story to tell, but it, it amazes me, and, and I hope it doesn't upset any of your female listeners. But, you know, Doug liked places like trashy lingerie, okay? <laughs> and he would go there to buy gifts for his girlfriends. And I guess what they do is um, maybe if you're a, a member there, they have models that would, you know, there's some benefit to being, uh, there was. <laughs> to, have, the, to have the membership. Yeah, is the store still there? Trashy I don't know lingerie? if it's, but it, I mean, I haven't been down in the Fairfax district for a while, but I, I think it still might be. Um. <laughs> Yes. Okay. Yeah. My my other daughter Gretel. Yes, yeah, she's here saying with us. it is. And yes. I, are you Why concerned? Do you, how do you, are you know? Yeah. Are you a little concerned about that? Yes. <laughs> um, 
so after Doug died, and I'm going through all of these papers and finding things, which is where people like Lee came in. I was like, what does this mean? And um, I found his membership card to Trashy Lingerie. And on the back was the expiration date. And it was February 14th, 2010. Wow, that is very, was like, it's very strange. A lot of, yeah, I was like, just perfect. Is it, it's... um. Because I think it would be hard, but I mean, when you listen, when you're listening to this music in the headphones, it's it's very, it's much more intimate experience than um, you know if you're just listening to it through speakers or something. So, um, it must be a, I mean, it must be n- nice to be able to hear your brother's voice forever. Oh my God, yes. You know, but uh, but at the same time, difficult. Eh, they're 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 divorced. Okay. The way I, the way I hear the music is, you know, this it was the the music was always it. If I were to hear him laugh again, mm-hmm. or um, the way he would make a joke, I was, I was thinking, like, he never let a pun go past him. <laughs> if you had falafel, that was it. He had to say yes, but an hour later, I feel awful. He had to do that. <laughs> he had to do it. And those are the things that it would just crush me to hear yeah. again. I used to, um, now I never saw the knack until I moved to Los Angeles. I moved here in 95 and that's when, um, and that's when, uh, reality bites. (laughs) No, that's when stuff started to, to, uh, to happen again with, with the knack with reality bites. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yes. Yes. The movie, I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. My my Sharona was in reality bites, but I remember seeing, uh, the, all the original members at the Viper room show. And that was just incredible. And that was a fluke. Like I was looking through the LA weekly and it said like the Knack's playing even at the with, Viper Room tomorrow. Bruce, I think yeah, even with, with Bruce, it was with yeah. Bruce, and I was like, "That's crazy!" And um, I remember the band; they just walked, you know, they just carried their guitars right past us, waiting in line, and just waved and walked in. And it was it was crazy. And that was an incredible show, and that's the first time I ever saw them. And I did get to see them with Bruce. There is video, but not of the show. Mm-hmm. It's snippets. I've I've seen it. It it might be in my collection. Um, it, it might be in Art Fine's collection, okay. uh, but yeah, there is there is um, there is video. And I used to see you at some of the shows too, because I remember specifically one. T- it was it maybe at the House of Blues. I'm unforgettable. Yeah. Well, you, there is a family resemblance. Oh my God, there and are I remember stories about that. Too. I remember I was with I was with my friend, and I saw you, and I said, I bet. That is Doug's sister. I bet it is. And uh, it, it was 100% you. And I used to see Sharona was at the shows too. And Doug would, you know, you, he, had, yeah. he had this... They stayed friends. Yeah. And he had this mischievous grin on his face all the time on stage. Now, I don't know what it was like off stage, but... And it was just, uh, you could see, oh, he's something's, he's, something's going on in his head and he's having a great time. And it was just, he, he, he was a performer from, uh, unbelievable. from way back. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just, um, yeah, it's, it's, I'm, I mean, I'm so glad that I, I finally got to see the man. And then I saw them probably six or seven times out here cause they would play a lot. They were amazing live. Mm-hmm. Um, get the knack apparently just, you know, they're not all first takes, but it, because they were so tight live, once uh, Mike Chapman got him in the studio, yeah. it was just, okay, do it. No. And that was it. I'm sure Burton told you how many, which takes were, you know, the 
the finals, but Burton said a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Quite the talker. After we record, after 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 I recorded with Burton, he would call me on the phone. He's like, "I'd like to record some more. I don't feel like I got my story out there." I'm like, "Burton, we we I think we not. I'm sorry, not Burton. Prescott. Prescott is the one. I'm sorry, Burton. Prescott's the one. He be he be, he be, he's like he just wanted to keep going. I'm like, I, we seriously do. We got it. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're this, both of them the sweetest guys in the world. Oh, they were so great. They yeah, were Burton, so great. Burton is very reticent to, he'll, I mean, he's a talker. Yeah. But he is reticent to do these sort of things. He just likes to keep to himself. Yeah. And I thank you so much for that because he, he was fantastic that day. Yeah. And, um, yeah, those guys are great. And I still see Prescott when he plays with uh, missing persons out here. Right, so. right. And his his kids, I, I don't know all the details, but his kids are, have a band. Yeah. Um, uh, Gateway Drugs? Yeah, I, yeah, yes, yes. I think that is the name of the band. Yes. See, you know. Pulled oh. that one out of thin air. <laughs> all right, so get the knack. I, uh, did I bring this one or did you bring that one? Let me see what we have here. Well, good girls don't. We already played the demo. So, do you want to hear? Do you want to hear the uh, the one that was on "Get the Knack," or you want to move on to? Uh, and you put my Sharon, and then you put "Duh." <laughs> well, you asked for my favorite. I know it's technically not my favorite right. song on the album, but I mean musically, but it's a great song. Um, but I did give you the note that there is a live recording of it. Uh, uh, Burton's. The first time My Sharona was ever played for the public, mm-hmm. and that is an omnivore release um, live in Los Angeles, and those are from cassette tapes. Um, and th- it was so there is this recording of the very first time right. they played it in the club, and, and Burton's solo is spectacular. Okay, let's hear that solo, My Sharona. amazing isn't it i mean it's just <laughs> crazy it's so funny too because i sometimes people forget that my sharona has this killer 
solo in it because they think of it as as just as a pop song and and it's got this oh it, 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 i mean these guys are incredible musicians like i was floored when i saw them the first time at that viper room show like i didn't think they weren't good musicians but i i didn't know how great they were just truly, phenomenal truly knowledgeable prescott studied music mm. i mean really amazing and listen as much of a lunatic and and clashing that Doug and Bruce Gary did, mm-hmm. there are three drummers in my life that I think are spectacular and, and irreplaceable, and it's Ringo, Keith Moon, and Bruce Gary. Yeah. I mean, and and no, no aspersions on all of the drummers that came after, because mm-hmm. Doug would not have hired any drummer that was just, eh, okay. Yeah, I mean... T- Pat, Pat Torpy, yeah. Dave Henderson, and I'm forgetting the third. There's another one. Um, uh, Terry Bozio. T- uh, Terry Bozio, and then actually there's another. Uh, yeah, um, uh, is it Billy West? Is that Billy, his name? Uh, Bi- uh, not Billy West. And it's going to come to me. I can find it. Okay, I'm so sorry, Billy... Uh, Ward, Billy, Billy Ward. Ward, not yes. Billy West. Billy West is a, a guy who does voiceover work. Yes, and, and stuff. But yeah, Bruce Gary's drumming is insane. It's it's, it's just, crazy. Yeah, but you're right. When I would see them with the other guy drummers, they were good too. But Bruce Gary had th- this thing. Yeah, and the, yeah, those four really looked great together. They were spectacular. But wasn't I mean I I just was so excited. Everyone who knows that solo mm-hmm. knows every single note, and then here's this fresh take that was. I, I was like, wow, this is fabulous. And I would always read that uh, like a, a lot of uh, famous musicians would come and see the Knack in those early days. There are recordings like Tom Petty got on stage with them, and I'm not going to be able to remember all of them. Uh, I know I know Springsteen, Springsteen was a fan, and I know that uh, one of the bonus tracks on uh, Get the Knack on the Capitol reissues is a Springsteen song called Don't Look Back, so I want to play a little bit of okay. that. Even counts it in like Bruce would count it in. It's a great song, and Doug is killing it on that version. So good. We have pictures of them on stage and afterward, and you know, Doug's just living his best life at that moment. <laughs> you just see this face. What was it like back in Michigan when when the knack is breaking, and are, are people calling your folks all the time, and let's say, you know what I mean, um, like I, to congratulate them? Probably for giving birth. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I honestly don't recall mm-hmm. things changing that much. Um, it it was a little surreal to turn on the radio and and hear your brother, which which by the way I had done with Sky, um, but this time it didn't feel like. I used to joke that the Sky albums look like, oh, come on, Doug, you just mocked up a, an album in the basement <laughs> and you're just fooling with this. This was real. Yeah. Um, Capital. I mean, they signed with Capital Records. That's who the Beatles were signed with. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a very big deal. Uh, I mean, just we have. Uh, we also put up a video um, 
on the Doug Figer channel, we created a, a video to Another Lousy Day in Paradise. Oh, such a great song. And Oh, I love that. Oh, my God. Um, but the footage from the video is, uh, is when they signed with Capitol. It's a lot of fun. Well, I'm going I'm to play a little bit of that song. We're jumping around a little bit, but I'm going to play. This is from Round Trip, produced by Jack Douglas. You said this is your favorite Knack album. Yeah, Round, Round Trip. Trip is my favorite Knack album. And, and, and many people who listen to it go, I like to put it on and just ask people, who do you think this is? Yeah. And, and many people that I know, this is their favorite Knack album. So let's hear Another Lousy Day in Paradise. I don't know how that wasn't a hit. I don't know how that's not a song that everyone knows. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, there are, there are a few. Art War, I think, could have been that. I think Just Wait and See. Uh, yeah, yes. Could have, you just want to roll your windows down and turn up the radio mm-hmm. and take off. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Let's hear yeah. those. Let's see. I know we, I know we jumped past, uh, but the little girls understand. We'll get right back to it. But uh, let's hear, um, well, let's hear Art War. Just listening to Bruce's drums on that. Oh, my God. And I I would point out, Doug's a pretty damn good lyricist. Yeah. Yes. I mean, without saying. I mean, I I know we're not. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. Because he is. They blow me away. I mean, that is, you know, don't try to hand me no fantasy. It's for (laughs) surreal bourgeois. You know, it's just all all of that. Um, on, On the Facebook page, if I can... D- digress a little bit. You can you can say anything um, you want. There's the Knack official Facebook page, and just two days ago, uh, a visitor, you know, a fan posted. Um, I think the Car- Carnegie Hall. No, no, no. It was a live on the world live at the World Cafe. Okay. Um, um, it's not me, which is not a song I know very well. It's it's from Normal as the Next yes. Guy co-written with John Bossman and the lyric the the fan who posted it quoted the lyric um we're here for uh, it was I, I wanted I should have written it down but it was um 
we're here for a brief time and gone for longer. It, it was it was so poignant. I'm gonna next time you play music, I'll I'll try to remember <laughs> the quote exactly because I was desperately trying to remember that. And I'm like, every time I hear Doug's lyrics, I go, this is so deceptively simple. People think pop, but they were some really great lyrics. You're looking it up for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, of course I am. I, I let, deceptively simple is a, is a great way to put it. Okay, it's not me lyrics. Let me see if we. Yeah, this is Figer, and you said Bossman. Yeah. Let me see if the lyrics are here. It's life is the road we're traveling on. Love is the rope we're hanging on. A a brief time here, a long time gone. You're qu- you're quicker than my internet. Yeah, it's still loading. Yeah. Okay, but that's that is. <laughs> you got it. it. I mean, what a fabulous way to describe life: a brief time here, a long time gone. And and so in, it's just that that and and the, I love the fans. <laughs> and yeah, the fans will the fans will keep everything living forever for sure. Yeah, uh, Doug's voice too. I love it. I love it. And um, that another thing. never never saw him uh, never saw the band ever sound bad live. Always yeah. great. Also, I believe look, he's my brother. I love him, but underappreciated vocalist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is, uh, I mean, this is, again, this is why I like to do shows like this because, uh, you know, I feel like a, a lot of people will, will hear music that they never heard. Like, they, they might just know, you know, My Sharona and a, and a handful of the tunes. And that's, and classic rock radio is not giving the knack their due. And it's, it really sucks. It sucks. I don't get it. I, I'm grateful for anything they play. <laughs> Well, here is one more from Round Trip. This is Just Wait and See. trip that album just feels like summer it's summer i don't uh i don't know why that wasn't a gigantic hit of an album i remember seeing it in the record store and it was the cover was in color and you were like whoa what is this this is awesome Uh, well there was a billboard up on um sunset Mm -hmm. and of course the the choice was the that very psychedelic hypnotic red and blue that you can't focus on right and so round trip, get it? It's an album at Circle. Um, and there was a disc that rotated and they had to st- stop it because there were accidents happening <laughs> on Sunset. There's a picture of it in a, there's a, a book, a like coffee table book of Sunset billboards. Oh, and that's in there? And it's in oh, there. Oh, very yeah. nice. No, uh, yeah, well, no press is bad press. No. no. <laughs> Uh, you also have uh, you also picked Little Cow's Big Mistake. Oh God, yes, I love this one. And you said this is uh, based on a true life crime that happened in Oak Park when Doug was in high school, and Don was is referenced as Don uh, Faginson in yes. this song. Don Faginson, Doug and Doug and Don Faginson, you know, was not was uh, were Don Faginson and David Weiss. 
Don was and David was. Um, I have been told that the Genesis, I just, I'm sure they make up a story mm-hmm. knowing Don and David. They made up a story every every any time anyone asked them what is, was, not was. <laughs> but I had heard that David's son was learning opposites. And so it was like red, not red. Um, fast, not fast. And he did was, not was. That's That was the one I was told. Um, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna choose to believe that one. It's fun. That's yeah. a good one. That's a fun one, and that's exactly what a, a little kid would say. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they went to. They were all high school buddies, and um, there was a student who tried to hold up the Detroit Free Press truck and was killed, and uh, apparently shot on Don Faginson's front lawn. Don was his front lawn, or at least according to this song, that's what happened. Okay, let's hear Little Cow's big mistake. So fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's funny that that story re- uh, reminded that was not was thing with the kid reminded me when I was trying to teach uh, one of my daughters how to tell time. I said, the big hands on the 12 and the little hands on the, and she said, clock. <laughs> no, it's on the four. It's four. Mm. Well, she wasn't uh, wrong. Yeah, she still hasn't learned though, and she's 15, so that's not good. Uh, let's jump. Uh, let's jump back to uh, to get the knack real quick. I just want to play. She's so selfish because you said Doug channels his inner Rita Moreno. What do you mean by that? Tell me what that means. Um, well, he was a big. There's a whole West Side Story looms large in his legend, as they say. So does Peter Pan. And in um, in America, it goes, I like the island Manhattan. I know you do. Smoke okay. on your pipe. All and right. So you'll so hear. We will hear that. Sorry for the singing. I don't sing like Doug. I know you do. She's so that was it right that there. Was it. Let's hear it again. I know you do. She's so Now, Beth, you told us that you're a writer. Yes. You know a lot of this. Uh, you know a lot of these stories about uh, Sky and Doug and the neck. Are you the person that would write the book about Doug and the neck? Oh, probably not. And why do you say that? I feel like you you're the exact person to do it, and you're a writer. Um, but I, I'd get a lot of the details wrong. But you would, you would, you would have someone help you research. You would research. You would get those details right. Yeah, there are people. There are people who have tried, and and 
which is the story you tell? Well, tell Doug's story yeah. and the knack, tell Doug's story. And then the knack is part of, of his story. You tell the knack story, then we don't get this other stuff, this other fun stuff about Sky and, and writing to Jimmy Miller. We don't get that. I, so, I, so I would tell Doug, Doug's story is the story you tell. I, I, I'm not sure I would be up to that task. I um, would love to, I would love to see it in a fictional form, mm-hmm. you know, where it's not, this is Doug, this, and then here's Doug meeting Burton. Right. I, I, I think, you know, I happen to think that a lot of songs, especially Round Trip, would be great, you know, to put out a musical and, you know, jukebox musical around <sighs> yes. that. Um, but that's not my call entirely. Right, right. So. Is, there a, is there stuff, so there's, because I asked uh, Prescott and Burton if there, was, if there were knack songs that they recorded together that were, were not released. And they said there's not, there isn't. That's what they told me. That's, I was asking that's that as a fan. Pretty true. Okay. Um, I, uh, I, I could, I actually, after Doug died, I went into that storage room with all of his tapes and I created a whole spreadsheet. I, mm-hmm. I have an inventory of every single track on every single tape. And, you know, Omnivore looked through them because obviously what you, you know, the, the, the name that's going to sell is the knack. Right. Um, there are a few iterations that Doug on the tape might not have called the knack, but it could have been Burton yeah. on there. And, and neither, I've asked them, I'm like, do you remember, was this you guys playing? And they're like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, but the best stuff I think is, is pretty much out there that was the knack. There might be some live, mm-hmm. like, Carnegie Hall, Leeds, live at Leeds. There's, um, there's what they call uh, Omnivore did release some things that are the rehearsal tapes, Mm -hmm. but they all, you know, most of those songs became uh, the songs on the albums. Now, this is a businessy type question. You said that you you uh, you're involved with handling and dispersing the royalties and stuff. Um, If the if the if the Knack albums aren't physically available really you know cds and and lps where is the where's the money generated from is it just generated from there well there is some streaming which Mm -hmm. is minuscule yes um uh sync licensing okay we we do have uh reach music administers are the licensing and so you know sharona still is heavily played and heavily used um but you know there are there are master uses yeah. and and uh, sound exchange. I was just curious how, as to how all that works because again it, I just feel like the check shows up and I do the math and that's <laughs> and, and I, I actually did track it. Um, uh, yeah, how do you track it? Like I I feel like this is how artists get ripped off because they do. How, how do you know where it's being played when it's being played? Well, you, there's no you have the right to audit. Mm-hmm. A label's books, but who's going to know? And with streaming, it's now fractions of a penny. So what are you going yeah. after? Um, I when right when Doug died, uh, that's actually if you can believe this, that was right after technically the band recouped. Wow. Yeah, that wow. was that was the first time that that the artist royalties were starting to be paid to the band. 
And so I would get these 600-page um, statements okay. from Capitol. And I'm exaggerating, but they were thick. And it was meaningless to me. I had no idea what was going on. And then EMI bought Capital. Same thing. You'd get digital, though. And they slowly start getting into these digital um, reportings. And then when Universal purchased, by that time I, I was able, because I also get publishing royalties. Okay. I was actually, for the first time, able to try to match the publishing to the master, to the artist's royalties, the mechanicals, I yeah. guess they're called. Is that No, the publishing is the mechanical. See, I've already forgotten. It took me so long to learn this. I've, I've forgotten it. Um, and that was the first time I was able to actually determine how many compilations my Sharona appeared on. And, wow, and yeah. Because, because I got the... I knew what the publishing was. So I did that dutifully for a couple of years and and it wasn't worth the effort. You yeah. just go, I guess I've got to believe you're telling me you the truth. You just got to believe it. Yeah. Um, if someone goes on iTunes and, and buys the album, digitally purchases it, then is that, that must be a, a better royalty rate than if they're streaming it. Absolutely, yes. That's then, like buying the album physically yes. if they download if they buy the album on iTunes or, yes. or Amazon, wherever you buy music. Yeah, digital the a tethered download or a digital mm-hmm. download. Mm-hmm. There's there's uh, the way they're coded. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I also because I've released like uh, the Sky recordings and Doug Solo are on just Zen Records, which was Doug's label. Yes, I have those released through orchard (laughs) i remember when round trip was first released it was just on zen records and you had to uh you had to and i i don't know where i saw that in i think there was a magazine called ice magazine and i saw it was going to be released and you know i told my friend i'm like round trip's going to be on cd what and we ordered it Uh it so exciting (laughs) did (laughs) you order it yes sure now uh then when the uh when the um when the uh, Capital Remasters came out, then I don't know what I did with my Zen copy, but I don't have my Zen copy anymore. Right. But well, it's cool. Doug made Doug entered various um, agreements afterward, and mm-hmm. it was as Zen Records. Um, there may be one one of those the Smile Records who was instrumental with um, I think Normal is the next guy in Funhouse. Yes, and maybe. Uh, Resume. Resume the reissue of Zoom yeah. with a couple of um, bonus tracks. Tony Valenciano has been in touch with me because he's interested in maybe doing some Doug rarities or Doug solos, and and uh, so that would be a Zen Records type thing. Um, but but so I get those statements um, from Orchard, and and I have to pay off pay Sky, and and I can see what was a tethered download or you know what was just streaming. Versus, so tedious. Oh my god. It's but the thing is, it's the numbers aren't that huge that uh-huh. I am able to do it. Okay. If, if I had you know if if the catalog were like Chicago, <laughs> forget it. <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, I wish the catalog was uh, that uh, so expansive, do I. but. <laughs> Uh, so, um, so there's a get the knack. There's a, but the little girls understand. There's um, there's round trip, and then then there's nothing for a long, long time. What's the what what is what are between round trip and serious fun? It's like ten years. What is what's happening with Doug and the band and the guy? What are they doing? What happens in that ten years? Doug got sober. Okay. Um, focused on that. 
there was a, a lot of of lot of work in that. And he, there were some bands. He uh, taking chances was a band he put together, and okay. he, he would play live. Um, uh, but just a lot of experimenting and writing and and uh, trying to what, what were the years again? Let's see uh, if I 80, 80, 81 to ninety one. Ninety one is when uh, Serious Fun comes out. Um, yeah, that was he had to hit bottom, and mm-hmm. then I, I think I think the the biggest job was getting sober during those. Well, things. see, that's the thing. Back then, there wasn't internet, there wasn't all this stuff. So you, if if someone that you liked, a celebrity or a musician, was having that kind of uh, a problem or going through something, you you didn't know about it. You just you were just wondering, right. where's wonder what the knack's doing, wonder where Doug Figer is, what's going on. And I remember I was in, I was living in Chicago in 1991, and on the radio, uh, DJ comes on. He goes, "Coming up, uh, new song from the Knack." And I was like, "What? What? What did he just say?" And I was so excited. And then this comes on. I just went crazy when I heard the song, and yeah. and then back then you didn't know, you didn't know when the album was coming out. There's, you know, now you, you can find out anything, but you were just like, you'd have to call the record store and say, "Do that new Knack album? Right. Well, I don't know anything about it." Well, what do you mean? I just heard it on the radio. So, uh, and this was produced by Don Was. Yes. And um, this is the album that has Billy Ward on drums. And uh, the guy's hair is a little bit longer. Everyone has a little bit longer hair. It almost sounded like the knack is is it's like almost like a metal album kind of. It was just a is more aggressive or something for me. I don't know, but I loved it. I'm yeah, it, so it's, excited. It's not one I have listened to repeatedly, mm-hmm. um, so I couldn't tell you that much about it. But definitely, uh, it, it was the '80s. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it it, it was. You said, I mean, is it 91? It's 91. But, you know, yeah, the, yeah. you know, all, you, everything, the, the, the end of the 80s was all that big hair, bombastic stuff. So, right. I, I mean, they they fit right into it. They slipped right in for uh, for this album. And you have, uh, what song did you pick from this one? I'll Be Your Mau Mau. I'll Be Your Mau Mau. Okay, let's hear that. From the start is what you told me.
just it's bombastic. How can That's you the sit word. still to you those? You can't. Well, we we are because we're <laughs> yeah. tethered by these headphones. Uh, did uh, uh, I don't think this is a personal question? Did Doug have any kids? No, no, no kids. No, he did, had he had my daughter. He had your daughter. That's cool. Best uncle in the world. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting the thumbs up from uh, Gretel. Yeah, Gretel. Can I can I can I mention your tattoo, or is that too personal to mention? Gretel has a tattoo. It says it's 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 um it's the day your uncle passed, and then the word Figer, and it's in the uh, it's in the NAC font. Yeah, the NAC logo. The NAC logo font. Very cool. My other daughter has. If you if you go to the website, Doug, it's kind of become a symbol like the white power. But okay. Doug Doug always used to take pictures doing the okay. The okay, yeah. And my other daughter has an okay. Um, it was designed by a friend of ours. It's just a black and white line drawing, and it becomes a heart. The hand oh, becomes a heart on her ankle. Andrew Pike designed it. And um, and then she had the script February 14th, 2010, mm-hmm. to, to make it like a, a bracelet. And, oh, she also has the lyrics to All in the All in All. Wow. And um, another... Uh, the thing that looms large in his legend is Peter Pan. She has a silhouette of Peter Pan tattooed behind her ear like he's whispering into her ear. And she goes, Uncle, Uncle Dougal's is, is always... Oh, she has the yeah, second star to the right and straight on till morning. So they... Well, you guys my, are really paying tribute to, to your uncle with these tattoos and stuff. You do have his haircut. <laughs> now these kids with their tattoos. Do you have? Do you have a tattoo? Beth? Yes, you do. Yes. What does it relate to? Your brother? Or is no. this a personal thing for you? It's it's a personal thing. When when <laughs> when you don't I, have to tell me. You don't no, have to no, tell no. me. It, when uh, when I got married, my husband, you know, wedding night, he goes, "You want your present?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure." <laughs> And he starts taking his pants off. And I was like, well, you're kind of full of yourself. <laughs> and he shows me on his ankle, he's got, and literally like just the the cheapest, worst thing. It's this heart <laughs> with a banner that says Beth on it. And he, now, he was all in because they say, don't get your wife's name tattooed on your body. I, I have to tell you, this was a time when, you know, you didn't get tattooed. People without teeth had tattoos. <laughs> yes, you yes. Know? It, it, was wasn't, like, it wasn't a cool thing. It was like... Something a hillbilly did. Yeah, so he got this tattoo, and I was like, "Oh, okay, thanks." And and <laughs> then our honeymoon was driving back from Michigan. We camped half, you know, mm-hmm. uh, all the way across the country. And I swear, within five days, I'm going. How come it's not on your shoulder? You know, it's down your. <laughs> Why ankle. are you hiding? You put a sock over it, and you don't want anyone to see yes. it. So for the tenth anniversary, I have a heart on my ankle that says Jim. It's very much like a Sailor Jerry. Oh, good. Uh, it's more you, elaborate. Yours is a little more high quality. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I, you know, 10 years, I figured it was safe to get the tooth. And you surprised him with that? Did you um, have it done yes. or did he know you were getting it done? No, I, ha- I surprised him with it. It was an anniversary present. Nice. So. Very nice. Yeah. And so now, uh, and that's the same ankle that our daughter Freya has her hers on. So Gretel apparently has to follow suit. How many tattoos do you have, Gretel? You have, you have 10 or 12. They're not big, though. They're, they're not real big oh, tattoos. Oh, the ones Uh-oh. you can see. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. That and is a big one. show your Stevie Wonder. You have a Stevie Wonder? Stevie Wonder's don't, on no, the don't foot. Oh, and then I have a Stevie Wonder. This one says, oh, okay. 
Okay, sheet music on yeah. your on your on your okay. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> um so uh I want to move on to to now you said this is Doug's Doug favorite. Doug had tattoos too. Did, yeah, I, I he doesn't seem like a tattoo guy. Oh man, no. He he had He would, a, he was hiding those names. He had a few. I have pictures of his ankles up. Oh yeah, he had he had one on his back that was a technicolor leopard ripping its way out of his skin. I would never believe that. If you told me Axel Rose had that, I'd say, yeah, of course he does. I would never think that Doug Figer, who takes the stage in a, a nice white shirt and a black vest and a black jacket and a nice yeah. pressed pant. He had three. He had a he had a, a white leopard or like snow leopard coming on his shoulder. He had the one on his back. And then he had this Aztec-looking cuff on his ankle with a cobra, was there a cobra on it? He was very also into race cars. He he did the Carol Shelby thing. Oh, okay. And and was into so he had a cobra on his leg. Wow, I would have never thought that Doug Figer had tattoos. It just doesn't look like a tattoo guy. <laughs> well, but okay, he's rock and roll. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Zoom comes out in 1998. The band uh, gets signed by Rhino. Rhino wants to do. They release a a, a best of called Proof, Mm -hmm. and there's uh, four or five covers that are amazing. Great covers, yeah. I mean, uh, That Thing You Do is just, I mean, it's the perfect song for the Knack to cover. Let me play a little bit of that. Doug knew that. Yes, he was smart. remember when I saw the movie, That Thing You Do, and they played the song for the first time. And for that movie to work, that has to be a song that you have to hear. Immediately. A, a, a dozen, and you have to hear it about 12 or 15 times throughout the movie and not get sick of it. And I do not get sick of that song ever. Yeah. Well, it's so good. Good pop. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, so Zoom comes out. Now, I said that when I heard um, Rocket of Love, I got excited. And that was because I had not heard Knack music for 10 years. Now, when Zoom came out, and, and you said, again, this is Doug's favorite Knack album. Oh. This is my favorite Knack album. Like, when Zoom came out, just every song was fantastic. Like, perfect. I loved um, I loved uh, Terry Bozio's drum, drumming. Even though when I saw the band with Terry, I felt his kit was a little... Uh, too big for the he had like a gigantic like double bass and chimes and a gong i'm like okay that's not the knack doesn't need that but uh i love the snare drum sound i love everything about zoom i never get sick of it it's my it's one of my go-to albums i just love it so much and this uh i want to play the opening track i've played it on here many times and you told me to take it from 25 seconds this is pop is dead Uh.
I mean, it was the, it's the perfect beginning to the album. It's the perfect way to start it off. And it just, it just goes from there. It's just such a killer album. I it love it so spectacular. much. And the cover was fantastic. Everything about it. I was, uh, I remember where I'm, I see, I remember the, where the I, Rickenbacker, right? The, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, there was, um, uh, what was, uh, there was a, a place in Sherman Oaks called Moby Disc. And I remember I was doing PA work at the time when I first moved out here <laughs> and I stopped at Moby Disc on one of my PA runs and I went in and I'm like, did you get the, do you have that, that new Nack album? And they go, you know, we got, I just unpacked it and I bought it, got in the car. It was terrific. And now and, shouldn't that be on vinyl? That should definitely be on vinyl. <laughs> right. Yeah. Doesn't, does Rhino still own the rights to that one? Um, no, I oh, you do. Well, how do you get it on vinyl, Beth? How you does that s- work? I don't, I, I'd have to... I don't have distribution. Mm-hmm. I'd have to have somebody who, you know... But, yeah, I can... Uh, and you have to you have to have somebody who's... who I, I guess crowdfunding. I could do a GoFundMe to, you, to put Zoom on vinyl. That feels like, a, that feels like a, something that would be like a, a record store day release. You know what I mean? You know how they always do those... There's always those special things for record store day. Right. Yeah, that's um, just well, that's album. what Omnivore did with um, the, with, the, with the live yes, in L.A. Yeah. That's the first time I'd ever heard of Record Store Day. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, they did, I think they have, they did reissue Zoom, though, didn't they? Yeah, it was, uh, yeah. well, they re- reissued they it as ReZume. Because um, I have a copy where the, where the no. cover is just the headstock. And they, did they reissue? Forgive me. Uh, Omnivore, I think, might have reissued Zoom. I don't yeah, know if I think it's, it's been, Yeah, I think it's been out. No, it's not on vinyl. But yeah, I think it's been on CD like three times. As yeah, with, Zoom, with additional, with some new bonus. Yeah. For, I'm, I'm very sorry, Omnivore. I forgot that you, you had, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's just, it's great start to finish. And uh, let's see, here's another one you picked. All in the all in all. This is very say, psychedelic. And, and Beatlesque for sure. question i don't know if you have the answer to it beth uh the album's why is the album called zoom i mean there's not a song called zoom where did that come from it's a cool name for an album yeah i don't know i i maybe written somewhere and if doug ever told me or told that story while i was near him i don't remember i'll get an email from someone that knows that's that's what i always will know (laughs) why it was called zoom uh, you said that the song "Can I Borrow a Kiss" has a very interesting backstory. What What is the backstory? Well, very interesting. Well, I added very. You, you, you said asked, interesting, and I said I added very. I'm sorry. You, you asked if Doug was a troublemaker, and <laughs> by and large, no. But well, I said he was mis- He had a mischievous grin. I didn't say he was. a Well, when you were asking about my parents, you know, why did they? No, okay. Let him get it. All right. You know, he the things he did, they kind of never found out about. <laughs> okay. And one of them was during the summer of love. So 67, he was, you know, ninth grade, 10th grade. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He, he got to San Francisco somehow. <laughs> and he t- would tell the story that some girl, you know, came up to him and said that line to so him. Can I borrow and, a kiss? And that stuck with him all that. And 
That's why he wrote the song. Now, when your daughters were in ninth grade, if all of a sudden you found out that they were in San Francisco, you would go berserk, right? I mean, I would. Well, they never found out, I guess. My parents just, I, I was oblivious. I, I, he got there, he, he came back, maybe. Maybe he said he was staying over at a buddy's house for yeah. the weekend, and that's where they went. I don't know what the full story was. Oh, my God. But, yeah, he was not where he was supposed to be. And trust me, my daughters sneaked out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's a great tune. Can I borrow a kiss? I was a not neat, freckled faced, over shy, underpaired boy. In the summer, I'll always remember. Said I was high, strung, middle class, oversexed, underemployed. By September, I felt when this album came out, there was a, at least here in LA, there was a lot of excitement around this release. I remember I saw the band down at the Galaxy Theater and on this tour. And I, I actually, um, uh, Burton, his mom was there. <laughs> and I, I, it was before the show. They were in like the showroom where I, you could eat dinner there before the show and stuff. And I approached them to get an autograph and they were having like a, a, fa- a mother-son uh, it was literally like she was treating him like he was still a teenager. He's like, Mom, I don't want to do that. She came to every gig. <laughs> she's she's still around. Oh, that's terrific. Yeah. Are your parents still with us? No. I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, it happens. It does. Um, let's give uh, Prescott a little love with a song called Harder on You, the only knack release co-written by Prescott. Is this one just written with Burton and Prescott? Yes, I believe so. I think I don't know the the genesis of it. Mm-hmm. I think Prescott like came up with it and then worked on it with Burton. So and so this is a, this is a non Doug uh, right track. I get, I get no publishing for this one. Damn it! Here we go. Harder on you. if the plan was to have uh, Bruce in the band for the Zoom album and it just didn't work out? Um, yes. Okay. 
there, I, I, I always forget the timeline, but there was, um, is Danny Sugarman? Mm-hmm. Is he a producer? Yeah, uh, yeah. At one point he was, I think it might have been with this album, but there, they were trying to get Bruce back in, and, and uh, they made deals with him. They were going to cut in some, give him some publishing mm-hmm. or something, and... Just didn't work. Yeah. All right. Well, a great Zoom's a great album. It's got 14 songs, and usually if I pick up an album and it's got 14 songs, in my head I feel like there's going to be some filler, but not on Zoom. Every track is killer. It, it, I, I'm not surprised. Yeah, every track is killer. <laughs> yes. you, you, have, uh, you have one more here from, uh, it's, uh, you said, okay, love, love is all there is, and you said it was included in a Pebbles serial Box yeah, I, CD? I, sh- I, sh- I have the CD downstairs and I should have like pulled it out so I could refresh my memory, but it was like a serial giveaway, <laughs> you know, you could, um, and it was a whole bunch of, it's a compilation uh-huh. and I, I, sh- you could probably Google it and see what other bands were on it, but this yeah. was the knack song yes. that they included and it was like Fruity Pebbles. It's probably on eBay selling for 50 bucks for the CD. Well, Some collector wow, would go I'm get it. Wow, I'm rich. <laughs> <laughs> I've, got, I've got one. Uh, also, before I play this, uh, Love Is All There Is, Zoom, If uh, these songs feel like they could have just been the soundtrack for that thing you do. Like they feel, they feel, these feel like songs that the wonders would have would have if they recorded the Oneaters, a, the Oneaters if, yes. they, if they recorded an album it would have been all songs like this so here we go love is all there is you've been heard once maybe twice I can see that light start to dim in your eyes so get wise it's not easy. These songs get you this from the true. opening. Every yeah. song, the opening is cool. Even what I'm saying to you. If you do, you can believe in it too. You can believe in it so. And you'll know. So good, and I do love I do love Terry's drumming on on this album. It's really it's really killer. It I just, I also want to say I don't listen to the knack recreationally, mm-hmm. so this is so wonderful to oh, be hearing. I'm all, so glad. Know, I, yeah, I just I don't ever go. Yeah, I got to hear some knack because right. for the reason you know, like I said, I, they're divorced. Once my brother was. See what happens with me is uh, once I do like a show like this. Now I'll be like at knack 24 seven for the next three weeks. It'll just be like, okay. Cause there's some, also something about you put the headphones on. It's right in your head. It's right there. That is and, true. And these songs all sound so great. Uh, now between, between zoom and the next knack album, we, uh, there's a, there's a Doug solo album. I have a question about this album for you. Was this, were these songs, did Doug record these as a solo album, or were these just a bunch of songs that were lying around and then it was released as a solo album? Um, they were songs he had worked with other people mm-hmm. for a while. I have a cousin, Derek, who um, also excellent singer. And for a while, I think some of these songs, uh, possibly also some from Normal is the mm-hmm. next guy, he 
Doug would say, well, if it's not going to be the knack, let me try to produce somebody else. And I, I think I have a tape of my cousin Derek singing some of these, you know, and they were produced. They're fully... Uh, yeah, this this isn't this doesn't sound like a demo album. This this is yeah, no, this no, is an no. album. Um, so probably what some of these Doug then said, well, I'm gonna he put his own vocals over. Mm-hmm. So they it could have been that that some tracks were recorded earlier because some exist in different iterations. But um, yeah, he just continued to write and said, well, let me try to do it on my own. And this is really good. This is a really great album. And it's got a great it's, picture of Doug as a kid on the front. Yeah, isn't that and, fun? In front of the Vox, it's the Vox speakers. Yeah, and, and he's holding I mean, a it's guitar. A, it's a Photoshop sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's cool. Yeah, the original, he's not holding a guitar. <laughs> oh, he's not? <laughs> no, but oh. I, I think I've got, uh, I've found that picture somewhere. Somebody added the guitar. So I'm going to play, first I'm going to play uh, Praying for You. Often when the singer of a band, a well-known band, does a solo album, sometimes that solo album just sounds like the band, and you think, why did you do a solo album? Why didn't you just... But this album doesn't sound like The Knack, to me. The voice is there, obviously, yeah. but I don't. it doesn't sound like a Knack album to me. It no, really does sound like a solo album. It's kind of... Um, I'm trying to think of all the songs, and it's, it's... I don't want to say it's more grown up. Mm-hmm. It's got a more um, less... Pop. Yeah. It, it's yeah. more mature sounding. Yeah. I'll tell you about this song. Um, speaking of fans, younger fans, there's this young guy. Uh, oh, is he Brazilian? Is he from South America? Ariel Moreira contacted me through Facebook okay. be, because of this song, because I love this song and very few people know of it. And mm-hmm. it's like he had just discovered it. And so he and I would converse. I speak Spanish. And, and so he he was asking me, can I get the lyrics? And we became friends over nice. Facebook through that. I recently found Doug's handwritten lyrics of this song. Wow. It's the fr- it's, so I have now all of the lyrics from, from uh, First Things First written. Because so I, I was trying to tell him what the lyrics were, and I remember listening <laughs> to the song over and over, going, yeah, the sacramental Byzantine romance. Okay, yeah, I get that. And would Doug would would these lyrics be handwritten in like a, in a notebook like a, all that kind of jazz? Yeah, that, sometimes they were typed out, mm-hmm. but I, yeah, I do have a lot of his handwritten notes. And that's cool stuff. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, his doodles, he his he's his cartooning. He's very into art. He's very into lowbrow. Rat Fink, you know, Big Daddy. Yes, Rock. yeah, 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 yeah. Oh man, yeah. Um, <laughs> Robert Williams when he was later when he could afford art what he bought was you know i don't know robert williams which are these surreal look it up (laughs) yeah uh now the next song and this is from uh again from the solo album first things first it's called without you 
And you said that your, uh, your daughter sang this at Doug's memorial. Yeah. Um, when Doug was sick and, and, uh, he talked, he talked about his memorial and how he wanted it to go. And he asked, uh, that Freya sing, um, while my guitar gently weeps, okay. which she did. And Gretel also read a uh, segment from Peter Pan. Um, they introduced this, uh, that there's a video on, mm-hmm. on YouTube of that. But I also said to Doug, I said, cause I love this song. And I said, this is the one I request. And I finally get to correct a wrong when she performed it at the memorial. We did not introduce Burton and Prescott backed her up on it okay. on stage. And I never got to say that. And I was so grateful that they had done that. Well, I'm, I'm, they knew that that wasn't an easy day. I'm sure you're forgiven I, I know. for that. I, oh yeah. They never, yeah. I don't even think that occurred to them, but I felt bad. And so the, um, and, and again, we're, we're, we're 10 years since this, but the, I mean this, that, I don't know how you guys got through a day like this with your daughter singing to uncle Doug. And it, it's just, it just sounds like a, just a, was it celebratory? I, it I was mean, Doug's, um, Doug's mandate was that it be theatrical. All right. And, and at first I was like, I have no idea what that means, but okay. Um, he, the, the memorial was three months later okay. it was, or All right. a couple, a so couple months later. Um, another chance to thank, um, the, the, the Monday night boys, a lot of, uh, friends of Doug's that, that need to remain capital A anonymous. Um, really helped me there. Okay. Uh, got the house of blues for me. Um, just to help plan the whole thing, got uh, the, the America performed and, wow. um, uh, a whole bunch of them. I can't remember all the people, but got up and they used to have a Memorial day picnic every year that they would go to a, uh, Denny drummer from the wings. Uh, uh um, not Lane. Not Denny Lane. I can't think. Sida, Sywell. Denny Sywell. Yes, Cywell. Danny Cy- Okay, that's um, it. And they would, they would all do uh, leopard skin pillbox hat. That was like <laughs> something they would do. it, and, and so they all these guys got up and performed at the memorial. And it was. It was celebratory. And it yeah. was... Well, it, that's good then. It, we, had a, we had a video up there, which is... I recommend everyone check out. It's it's clips of Doug taken from Art Fine's poker party talking about his favorite things. And it's a few of Doug's favorite things. And it's inimitable. It's Doug. Everything Doug saw or liked was amazing. And it's just... <laughs> I so. still remember seeing Doug in an episode of, the, of Roseanne. Three he, episodes. Yeah, he's just one of Dan's poker buddies. Yes, he was, he was friends with... Um, Husband, at the time, uh, with Tom Arnold. Tom Arnold. Okay. Yes. Thank you. But I was like, I remember watching Roseanne. I'm like, that's that's what's Doug Fire doing in this show? Um, again, when Doug uh, when Doug was was sick, I don't I don't even I, I never remembered hearing that Doug was sick. All of a sudden, I just heard that he had passed, and that very um very sad. He he had uh, had lung cancer, mm-hmm. which they thought they caught very early. Was he a smoker? Uh, 
he had smoked, mm-hmm. and Doug never did anything halfway. So when he smoked way back when, mm-hmm. it was, you know, the what are they, Galois? It was like the filterless black okay. European things. However, he didn't do that for a long time, yeah. and then he had quit many years. But then, you know, he didn't smoke, but he hung out in cigar rooms, and he sure. liked to smoke cigars. Plus... You know, I mean, it doesn't always come from smoking. No, I, and if I you're a singer, that, if you're a singer in a club where they allow smoking, yeah. I mean, look at um, uh, names just go far away. Superman, uh, Christopher Reeve. Christopher Reeve. His wife died of lung cancer, and she never smoked, yeah. but she was a singer. There you go. Yeah, and in the so smoky you, clubs. Yeah. No, and I did stand up comedy. It was horrible. The yeah. Smoking. I, in the room. So uh, they thought they had caught it Mm -hmm. and he would, you know, follow up um, with screenings and MRIs. And then uh, they were doing a gig in Las Vegas. And afterward, uh, one of the sound guys came up and said, Doug, are you okay? Because he had forgotten the lyrics. Wow. And um, he came back and, you know, he was dropping things and went to the doctor and they, you know, he went for an MRI and they, they said, you can't drive home. I, wow. I think he was driving home, but it was like, once you get home, don't. And they found that it had spread to his brain. And, um, that was like late 2008, I think. And he went through treatments, several, um, the gamma knife treatments where they put God. the frame and, uh, the thing is they gave him steroids immediately and, and all of that came back. He said he, he would describe it as, um, it's like he was, he, he couldn't remember how to play the guitar at all. He'd hold it, but he said, it's like you're reaching for a book that you know is somewhere and it's just not, you can't find the book. Um, but then when they gave him steroids and the swelling would go down, it came back immediately. And he really stayed quite well and quite healthy mm-hmm. for about a year and a half until late 2009 and um and and even then once they said look we've done everything we can and it and there's nothing that's going to stop it from this point uh he he was doing okay yeah and then he was on in hospice um but the nurse would come and she'd go you're not going anywhere there's it's no big you know i'm not worried and uh, and he, he was positive all the time during this? I yeah, mean, as positive had, as you can be? He had moments. Sure. Yeah, yeah, as positive as you can be. He would he would go through it. He had um, his ex-wife, um, well, all, all of his exes and all of his girlfriends were just always around. Um, Abby and Mia and uh, Judy would come. <laughs> A and, good support and, system. Yeah, and Marin Cantor. Uh, 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 Sharona showed up, and the knack the old the, the knackettes would come, you know, people showed up. Um, and but when he went, it was fast. Hmm. He had uh, he had ninety nine guitars, and he knew they needed to be cataloged, and so he had written an inventory. Wow. And I was working with um, the Burst Brothers at the time. I only remember one, um, Drew Berlin, to help me because he knew I was going to have to dispose of them mm-hmm. and, you know, you want it done smartly. And they said, we don't really know Rickenbackers. So um, we arranged on a Wednesday for them to come by and Doug, you know, was getting tired at that point and, and you could tell certain things weren't 
working the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, you put a guitar in front of him and he knew every detail about every Rickenbacker and we were writing it down. And and, and he had all these at his house? Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, and so that was on a Wednesday. And then on Thursday, um, uh, some some Buddhist monks came to do some chanting over him and he kind of fell asleep. They hung the prayers and he fell asleep. And the next morning, um, uh, Ed Kemper, a dear friend I will be indebted to for that. I can't believe I didn't write that name down. Um, for the rest of my life had come in to help administer medicines and Mm -hmm. stuff. He called me and he said, I don't like the way Doug's breathing. And I mean, we had been out to dinner the Monday before. Had gone out to dinner and everything was fine. And he was gone by Sunday, by uh-huh. that Valentine's Day. So when he went, it was fast. Sorry, I, I took guess. a long time talking. No, no, about no, that no. I mean, I, th- I mean, this is a very um, personal experience. I appreciate you feeling like open enough to just to tell it, the it world. Was, it was special. His mm. friends came to see him. It was. Um, we had a, a friend flew in from Oak Park, uh, that a childhood friend had flown in from Oak Park. And at the memorial, the Oak Park contingent was pretty damn big. You know, they'd all come in to, to send him off. Well, this is, a, this is a testament to how Doug obviously treated other people and lived his life if all his friends rallied around trying to make him as comfortable as possible in, in the hour of need, I guess you would say. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not going to pretend he wasn't a high maintenance guy he he had what you know but he was loved he and he had different circles he had his racing buddies he had his music buddies mm-hmm. he had his uh, recovery buddies then they were they were myriad surrounded by friends yeah that's i mean that's how i mean no one wants to pass but if you're gonna pass pass with your friends they're with you yeah okay with that, we are going to hear oh, uh, Doug's version of Without You. Uh, and this is the one that um, Freya sang at the memorial. How old was she at the time when she sang this? Oh. Would have been 10 years ago. Um, so she would have been tw- uh, 14. 14. Oh, 13 or 14. I mean, they say that love can break a heart, but hearts don't break. They slowly tear apart. It kills me. Yeah, it's a killer. Wow. And uh, how did your 14-year-old, how did Freya get her, um, did she, did she, at 14, did she understand 
the words you were saying. You know how sometimes, uh, I mean, she's a teenager. She was yeah. a teenager then, but you know, sometimes you just sing and you don't really think about what the words you're singing, but I, it's I, some powerful stuff. I don't know. I don't think she thought about it um, she, that deeply, but she, she, like, she was singing in front of Ringo. She was singing in front of Jeff Lynne. She was singing in front, and actually the only one that probably would have made it nervous was John Stamos, because, you know, it's Uncle Jesse. Um, but she, she, was, she just pulled it off. Both of them yeah. did. Gretel did her recitation. <laughs> Good job, Gretel. They, they really were great. Now, Beth, I told you I, this would only take 90 minutes. We're already at, uh, we're almost at two hours. So uh, I don't want to keep you. I'm, I'm in, I mean, look, I don't know <laughs> if, if your listeners are sticking around. Of course they are. Are you kidding? I'm happy to make it through the list. So. All right. Let's make it through the list. Gretel, are you okay? All right. I hope I'm not making you too, I hope we're not making you too emotional. Okay. It's, it's a good, it's a good cry. It's a good cry. It's a celebratory cry. Yeah. Uh, okay, so moving on to um, normal as the next guy. This one just kind of came out of uh, of nowhere for me. Like I didn't know there was an album coming out, and all of a sudden, boom, here we go. Normal yeah. as the next guy, and um, excited to have Knack Music, of course. And uh, you can hear me rustling pages trying to look for the normal as the next guy. Oh, here we go. So, uh, first song we're going to listen to is. Spiritual Pursuit, and you say the Knack goes country. Let's find out if they really do. I think so. I've been trying for so many years to find a this veil of tears Sometimes it's lonely Sometimes it's tough Sometimes I wonder If I'm strong enough But I'll keep on holding on Gonna squeeze this life Till the juice is gone Gonna find the answers That you can't refute Gonna live my life In a spiritual pursuit This is a this is a fun album. It's not. Uh, it's. I mean, if I'm being honest, it's not as good as Zoom. And I'm one of those people. Like when you get an album like Zoom, I'm expecting the next album to be Zoom too. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't. But I do. There's a lot of. Uh, there's a lot of standout tracks on here that I like. And um, Seven Days of Heaven is a great tune. And there's some great songs on this. But um, yeah, it was. It and, was and the album. I, co- I paid a lot of attention. Yeah, and the yeah. album covers weird like that yeah. like alien type face or something it's but it, i mean it goes with the title normal as the next guy but well, that brings us to the song normal as the next guy and you say this is the craziest song and it has a lot of was not was influence so yeah i i didn't listen to this album very much so mm-hmm. i was going through them when you said pick some songs and when i heard that i went Oh, this sounds like uh, I don't know how much you know of was not was. But just a little bit. I just know yeah. a little. Of it. I know Don was as a producer, but I don't know his uh, his work with was not was. Right. Uh, Born to laugh at tornadoes. I think was the album. <laughs> you know. So. All right. Here we go. The title track. Normal is the next guy. Guy. What makes you think? 
think I'm not, huh? I eat a balanced breakfast in the morning. I drive a late model American car. And when I come home, I come home from work. How about that weather, eh? Interesting tornadic activity. There is a, a Was Not Was song about a kid who's calling his dad from jail. Hey, dad, happy Father's Day. I'm calling you from jail. And it, yes, it's like, There's, yeah, it's I, very, it's, I can hear the influence of Was Not Was in this, definitely. Uh, now, the next song, you'd say it's noteworthy because this was co-written with Doug's former Sky partner, uh, John Corey. Yes. And this is, this, I love this song. This is, this is one of the highlights on the album oh, for me. great. Uh, Girl, I Never Lied to You. Picking up the pieces They're shattered all around me I'm looking at a photograph And it hurts so bad Girl, I never lied to you I wish I had I hear these people talking just what they're saying You read it in a magazine It's never any good Girl, I never lied to you But I wish I could Yeah, that's a good tune yeah. John co-wrote Last Worthless Evening, I think uh, that that has a little bit of that has a little bit of yeah s- sounds a little bit like last worthless evening. Don't tell Don Henley he'll come after you. <laughs> uh, let's go. Uh, you have another one in your list uh, from the uh, rock and roll is good for you. The Figer and oh yeah, who set who set you who down? Who set you down? And you said this one is one that uh, you had never heard before. Yeah, this was when um, Omnivore came and we were going through things for the demos. And and actually, this song exists in, in different forms. He, he As a real rough demo and then with other friends in a group he was trying to call 2020 before the knack. Okay. Um, and this is kind of that singer-songwriter thing again, but... I think this should this would have been a hit if it had come out. I just loved it. There's too many dying or dead in this city. There's too many places to die. And I don't know where people go when they're tired. Your fire's burning low And who picked you up 
let you down And who picked you up Who set you down Definitely singer-songwriter material. Yeah, yeah it's not very, just a great hook. That is really though, great. Like, uh. Uh, moving on to uh, something called Hankerings. Yes. And I found this song, because, um, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, I'll just go on iTunes and I'll punch in someone's name and see if there's, is there a song they did on a, a soundtrack or on someone else's album that I didn't know about. And that's how I found this originally. I just, you know, typed in Doug's name and then... Oh, really? And then this... So you, you knew of it. <laughs> I did know of this, yes. I, I, I'm pretty sure I've played this on the, on the show before. But uh, tell me about the uh, hankerings, a tribute to Hank Williams. Well... Doug had um, Doug built a studio in his house. He had, his house actually was a studio. It's like one bedroom was the control room, and then there were wires and and uh, a whole different area. There was a there was a cousin it closet that a vocalist <laughs> would have to go in, and it had egg cartons all over, and crouch and sit. But um, so he he was still recording things, and he loved Hank Williams. Called him the first rock star, I think. Um, I think you were the first uh, world's first pop star. Yeah, I, I don't know if it was pop star or rock star. It might have been rock star, considering yeah. how Hank died. Sure. Um, but he was talking about wanting to do this a lot, and and had been laying down tracks. And um, as one of the th- first things that everyone <laughs> said to me after Doug died was. You've got to find those tapes. You've got to find it and do something with them. Um, it should be known when you hear him sing, this was after he'd had half of one of his lungs removed. You would never know it. His yeah. voice sounds so great on this. Really incredible. And so I did. He'd only done four songs. Richard Bosworth, again, uh, put them in Pro Tools and mixed them. Not all of the tracks were there, he discovered. So Burton came in and did some lead guitar work after the fact. And so there were four tracks, and we compiled them and called it hankerings and this is hey good looking I would never have known that this was recorded after he had, uh, you know, health problems. Never. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's genius. Uh, I want to play you a song. I don't know if you know this song. This is a guitarist from Bruce, uh, from Kiss, Bruce Kulick. He released an album called BK3. It was his third and solo Doug, album. Yeah, Doug sang on it. Yes, he sings I a song. I don't love it. I don't know if I've ever heard I'm it. I'm going to play a little bit for you. This okay. is called, uh, it's called Dirty Girl. Yes. Here we go. Dirty girl. 
This uh, this album, Bruce released this in 2010, so he must have been recording it for for years. So I have no idea when Doug recorded this vocal, but it's yeah, pretty great. Yeah, that song earns me like five cents a month from <laughs> oh, sound exchange. Yes, <laughs> all right, it there shows you go. up as with with. Figer with Bruce Kulik. Well, let me know after this episode drops if you see a, if you see a an peak, uptick, an uptick <laughs> in anything. Uh, Beth, we're gonna the last song we'll play. I'll let you choose another one of the covers. That'll be the last song. We that'll be our play out song. Which one do you want? Here's what I got queued up. I got uh, I got Teacher Teacher. I knew the bride. Girls talk. Oh. No matter what. Uh, nowhere to run. I have all those, and you can pick. You can pick which one. Okay. Oh, it's tough, right? It's, it is because I love Badfinger, but I think I knew the bride because it it's very you know it's got kind of rave up rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's let's end with I knew the bride. We will end with I knew the bride. Before we do, uh, Doug, there's go to the Facebook page. Go to the YouTube channels. Yeah, Doug Figer channel on YouTube. There are lots of videos that we put some love into there, and you can Google things. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, on his on his uh, DougFiger.com, there is a video, uh, Doug's Favorite Things, which if you want to know what it was like to sit in a room with Doug, that's what you should watch. Also, uh, go to iTunes, go to Amazon, uh, go anywhere where you buy your music digitally and buy... Uh, these albums, buy the Sky albums, buy the the Knack albums. I'm going to be giving away uh, a CD copy of each of the Sky albums to the Patreon people. I'm also going to give away a CD copy oh. of Get the Knack, and I'm also going to give away a vinyl copy of Get the Knack. Wow. So thanks. Go to the Patreon page, folks, if you want to win those prizes. Uh, Gretel, thank you for sitting uh, over there. Isn't, and, isn't and she fabulous? She's a very lovely, very lovely young lady. Oh, uh, and you showed the T-shirt. The I need. I have some girls' T-shirts that say "Good Girls Don't." Yeah, she's wearing a, a "Good Girls Don't" T-shirt. <laughs> I I even had onesies made that say onesies for infants that say "Good Girls Don't," but Mom did. <laughs> and nobody bought them. What the hell? How funny is oh, that? Oh, people, yeah. people. Beth, thank you so much. I can't thank you enough. This was fantastic. I hope you had. I hope you did have a good time. I did. I hope people liked listening all this time. They will listen and they will love it. And when I get emails from people, I'll forward them to you. Okay, here we go. This is the Knack and their cover of "I Knew the Bride." Thank you so much, Beth. Rock and peace, Doug. Well, the bride looked the picture and I got a little more. When she was married to Sam, who knew twenty-seven years before. Change the style a little bit, but it looks just fine. They say it up all night, but we got it finished just in time. Now, on the arm of a daddy, she come walking on down the aisle. And then she gets just my eye, and she gives me the secret smile. 
that she looked today she never could have been Well, I can see her standing there in a tight blue jeans Walking all the money in the record machine Yeah, spinning like a top You should have seen her go oh, I knew the pride when she used to rock and roll I knew the pride when she used to rock and roll I knew the pride when she used to rock and roll I knew the pride when she used to rock and roll Now a proud daddy only wants to give his little girl the best So we put down a brand on a cozy little lover's list He threw up a fame reception and unqualified success Oh, and a flash hotel for a hundred and fifty kids Now take a look at the bridegroom, he's smiling, please despise And shaking his all around with that glassy look in his eye He got a real good job in his shirt and his tie on nice